Welcome into the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Billy Derrick, joined by Joey Dwyer on a Tuesday morning. This is a uh, another basketball podcast, Joey, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to our biggest questions for Vanderbilt basketball heading into this season. But first, we are brought to you by the Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, uh, which we've got some football and uh, and other basketball topics, and even a, uh, a baseball topic as well, but. Topics are brought to you by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. Uh, they're also the sponsor of our baseball content this season. So coming up, uh, we, you know, we've got a lot of baseball stuff going on. And then, of course, rolling into spring. They are a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more info, visit their website at npmci.com. All right, Joey, topics, biggest questions for uh, for Vanderbilt basketball. And, uh, you know, heading heading into this season, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, but, but before we do that, let's get to uh, today's news and today's news is brought to you by The Wash House. They are our uh, presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Well, let The Wash House take care of that for you. They've got two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area. Just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Log on to their website. That's washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. Joey, we'll start with uh, Vanderbilt baseball. Uh, we were actually over at the uh, the first inter-squad scrimmage uh, on Sunday, and uh, we, we got a few good looks at a lot of the younger players. And, uh, you know, th- there's there's a lot to get into, and, and I think we'll, we're both going to go to Corbin's availability today, so we'll, we'll hopefully get that video out to, uh, to Commodore fans. But they return to the diamond today as they prepare for Rutgers, their first fall scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, they open fall training over the weekend, as I just said. Uh, they will have another inner squad today at 4:15. And if if any of you are interested in going over to the Hawk, uh, I know it's uh, it's a little chilly, especially on Sunday, Joey. Especially with that wind, mm-hmm. um, you know, whipping around. But uh, if if any fans want to get out there, entry to Hawkins Field will be. Uh, via the outfield gate located right uh, uh, right or in right field um, at the corner of Jess Neely Drive and 25th Avenue. And, you know, obviously due to the construction, uh, seating will only be available in the outfield bleachers for all training sessions. So uh, the updated scrimmage dates and times will be posted as they become available on Vandy's Twitter account. And the Rutgers scrimmage is at 11 a.m. Central time up in Piscataway, New Jersey. So uh, looking forward to seeing you up there, Joey. Yeah, Billy, I think it was a interesting day on Sunday. It was really cold. We were dying out there, but <laughs> it was worth getting a look at Vanderbilt for the first time this season. I think some standouts were Jacob Humphrey, the UMass Lowell transfer, played center mm-hmm. field, played left field. What really stood out was his speed and his base running, and I think that's going to be huge for Vanderbilt with the loss of Enrique Bradfield Jr., he bunted for a single off of Miller Green, the Lipscomb Academy product, who also re- looked really good. Struck out the side, outside of Humphrey getting on base. Then Humphrey stole second. Then went to third after the ball was thrown to Miller Green. Slid into third. Miller Green threw it past, I think, Davis Diaz, who was playing third. 
and Humphrey went home. So it kind of tells you the ability he has on the base pass there. Also, Ethan McIlvain, the freshman, came in after Miller Green, did some really good things as well. I don't think he led on a base runner and he struck out the side. So nice outing from Vanderbilt's freshman arms. Devin Futrell wasn't quite as sharp as he had been, but you don't really expect that at this point in the fall. RJ Austin's also one to note, played in the infield a little bit. I think he played second, also played center. The first ball that went out there to him, I didn't think he got a great read on, but the second one made a really nice play on the warning track on. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my standouts. Matt Austin for it, did some nice things as well. Hit a ball to the opposite field warning track. Uh, Jack Bolger hit a home run off of Devin Futro into Memorial Gym. Chris Maldonado right after that hit a double into the corner. So there's some things of note. You can never take too much from these, though. And uh, I think Vanderbilt has some good things. And I guess throughout the fall, we'll see really who's kind of in the mix there and who's in the lineup. It's really early at this point, though. Yeah, speaking of the lineup, we put it up on the board. Uh, Joey did a good job of, of making sure he got all the positions down. Uh, I think Futrell and Laboki started for either team. Uh, you saw Camden Koziel uh, at mm-hmm. shortstop, uh, Davis Diaz and Braden Holcomb working in at third base. Uh, Maldo, of course, was at third as well. I thought it was interesting, Joey. Logan Poteet uh, getting some work at first base. Uh, the I don't know if they've officially made the move from, from catcher to first for him, but, I mean, it seems reasonable and likely because uh, Bolger and Espinal, I mean, those are the two mainstays at catcher, especially in the last couple of years. So that'll be something to track. Um, Matt Wolf, I, I like Matt Wolf at second, but I think Jaden Davis uh, probably has that locked down. Again, we, we don't know right now, but I think uh, they've got depth. They've got really good infield depth. Um, and then in the outfield as well, Joey, I think there's a lot of depth on this team. Um, so if somebody goes down, um, and this has always been the case at Vanderbilt, but if they were to have a, a few big injuries within that infield and the position players, I really think they're fine. I, I mean, now production might drop off a little bit, but uh, I think depth is something is, is a, is a buzzword heading into this season for, for Vanderbilt baseball. Uh, and I mean, you know, we talked to Aria Gerson about this. We, we, I think we can all agree they've got one of the best left-handed pitching staffs uh, or a group of left-handed pitchers in the country. So, and we got to see one of them, Miller Green. Uh, I think we were about to head out, Joey, but Miller Green went 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 out there on the mound, and and we ended up staying. So, it's good to see him get some get some work in, and also Ethan McIlvain uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, they got some really good big young pitchers. I mean, Miller Green and and uh, McIlvain are two physical kids, so it's going to be fun to track. Uh, track their Vanderbilt careers. Uh, but yeah, if you guys want to to head up there, they've got a scrimmage today, 415, and you've got to enter through the outfield, and you can only sit in the outfield So uh, because of all that construction uh, going on. I don't even think you would want to try to make the trek to the infield. It's uh, <laughs> it's There's a lot going on down there, as you guys know. So just your baseball update. Uh, Joey, let's get into football. A couple of notes to get to. Uh, Matthew Hayball has been named first-team midseason All-American by Pro Football Focus. And again, this isn't Pro Football Focus is reputable, but it's not like this is the AP or, you know, official SEC ballot or anything. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hayball on a national um, official ballot at the end or even SEC. Um, Joey, I wouldn't be surprised if he's first team all SEC punter. I mean, you know, I, I know South Carolina has a really good one with Kai Kroger, but Matt Hayball leads the, uh, the country in PFF punting grade. Uh, which is, I mean, PFF is the most reputable source within the statistical uh, analytics. He leads the country in net punting. He's second nationally in punting average, and he's one of seven punters with a kick of at least 71 yards this season. Um, so, Joey, he it, it's going to be interesting to track here down the stretch. 
he didn't have his best day against Georgia, but Georgia was – I think they brought a little bit more heat, made him uncomfortable. But, man, is he fun to watch. He's been fabulous, Billy. And I think I attribute the first bad punt against Georgia to the win. And also, it's not my fault, guys. On the board, they're blaming me. I did the feature on Hayball, and then he had probably his worst game of the year. <laughs> not my fault, guys. It was the win. Uh, but on a serious note, this guy could be an NFL punter. He's been unbelievable. And I think he knows that. He knows that's his goal. Um, check out my story on Matt Hayball from last week. But, Billy, he's maybe their best player. He's done so many good things throughout the last couple weeks. I think there are other good players, Will Shepard and C.J. Taylor. C.J. Taylor wanted to watch um, with his injury and also Dericky Wright. We haven't got a huge update on C.J. Taylor yet besides Clark Lee saying they were going to get, what, MRIs on Monday. So I guess we'll see. That's the bad thing about the bye week is that we don't really get to talk to Clarkley or anything to get updates on that this week, but I'm sure we'll find out soon. And hopefully not a bad injury for Taylor. I saw he complained about the turf on Twitter, though, which is something I'm sure you're yeah. going to bring up as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to point to. It, it doesn't sound good, uh, at least from the tweet. Now, you know, that we don't know if that's a, a season ender, um, but yeah, you, you would hate it for CJ mm-hmm. if it is a season ender. Um, you know, with not only the type of guy he is, you know, the player he is and the, everything he, he has put into this program. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll track that. And, and I was hoping we would get Clark Lee on Commodore Hour last night and, and maybe maybe get an update on CJ. But uh, they had Barton Simmons on, and, and he actually gave a really nice update on the state of Vanderbilt football and uh, the inexperienced uh, players at key positions. And I think clearing – clearing some things up for, for Vanderbilt fans. And I think they needed it in a good time. I mean, you know, heading into to the bye with uh, an encouraging, I know I, I say encouraging, the staff doesn't like probably me saying that, but I think overall, you know, an, an encouraging result, especially uh, considering who you were playing. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll continue to track CJ Taylor's status, but I uh, wanted to get that Matt Hayball news out there and, and, Keep uh, keep you guys informed there. Vanderbilt at Ole Miss next Saturday, October 28th, announced for a night kickoff, Joey, 6.30 p.m. Central time on the SEC Network. So I'm because of the night kickoff, I'm slowly debating whether to go or not. Um, I may or may not be there, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys updated. Either way, we'll have coverage. That's the Wake Forest scrimmage day as well, so that'll be a loaded day uh, for coverage. What we might just end up doing is staying here, watching the scrimmage, and then uh, maybe doing something together uh, after the Vandy Ole Miss game. So uh, we will keep you guys updated there. But, Joey, let's get into the the beef of this podcast. My three biggest questions – or our three biggest questions for Vanderbilt basketball. And we're going to we're gonna uh, say this segment is brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, the longest-running uh, sponsor of VandySports.com, family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor Russell a call at 615 846 6,200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, Joey, we each uh, listed three of, uh, of our biggest questions heading into this season. And I know we did a, our initial preview, and uh, hopefully you guys are able to listen to that. Uh, we're going to have a new basketball-themed pod every week here. I mean, what do we got, three weeks, Joey, uh, until, uh, mm-hmm. until Presbyterian? So the next few weeks here, we'll, we'll get an episode out to you. And, of course, Joey will be heading down to SEC Media Days in Birmingham. I think Chris will be there as well tomorrow. So they'll be getting content from Stackhouse, uh, Lawrence, and Manion. So that'll be interesting. And maybe even Jordan Wright, who, who's there for LSU 
so so uh, that'll be something to watch. But Joey, let's hop into it here. Our three biggest questions for Vanderbilt basketball. I'm going to start with the first one and, and probably the most important one. And I think we both agree on this. Uh, so we have the same number one. I think we have different number twos and threes, though. So uh, number one, though, the front court. You know, it, it, do they have enough in the front court this season? And, you know, you, I, I look at that front court and I immediately point to, you know, Vin Allen Lubin probably feeling some pressure this year to really perform. Uh, you know, I don't know that he needs to have a Liam Robbins type season, but I think for Lee Dort, uh, not Lee Dort, I think for Van Allen Lubin, just playing your role uh, within this offense. And uh, I, I don't know that we know quite what it'll be. I mean, I think we have a good idea, but, you know, run the floor, shot block, right? Just do kind of the basics. And I think, I think if, if Lubin plays his role, you know, to the best of his ability, and does what he can to help this team. I think I think this team will be in good shape. But if Lubin if Lubin struggles, uh, and, and you know, let's face it, everybody's going to struggle at some point. But if Lubin isn't consistent enough and 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 struggles with adjusting to the SEC game, the physicality of the SEC game, then you're, you're starting to look at some potential struggles. And with Lee Dort's health sort of up in the air, and that, I'm, we're going to get to more of that. That's one of my bigger questions. It just points to some struggles. And I think no matter what, Vanderbilt's going to struggle in the front court. I mean, you lose Liam Robbins. I know they brought in Tassus Kamateros, but he obviously we've talked about him being uh, a, more of a finesse stretch four type of guy. So I, I don't really see anybody on this team, Joey, where I look and say, and he can really maul down low, right? You can give him the ball and he can go get you a bucket down low. I, I just – I don't. I mean, Lubin is, is not really a face-up type guy, at least I don't think. Um, now, I'm sure Stackhouse has worked with him, and the staff has, has tried to develop that part of his game, but I don't know if that's something that they're going to be asking him to do a whole lot of this year. Um, so will they have enough? Um, that That's a big question. Carter Langeth is a freshman who probably won't play a ton this year. I don't think they want him to, to have to play a ton. It's probably a bad sign uh, if he does. and then. JQ Roberts, of course, is not. I mean, I guess you would say he's in the front court, but again, he's they just don't have that that physical presence, Joey, that that let's face it, you need in the SEC. I mean, you need at least one of those guys. Um, and you saw Vanderbilt struggle at times with teams like that. I know they beat Mississippi State and Tolu Smith, but Joey, it, it's it's hard, man, when you when you don't have a guy that you can give it down to when you're guard like because there's gonna be games, your guards are struggling or they're locked up. Now, where do you go next, right? Okay, let, let's try to look down low. And you're just kind of, you kind of come up empty there. Uh, I can see that happening at times this year. So for me, Joey, that, and I think you would agree, that's the biggest question, at least my biggest question heading into the season, because I think that will tell us how the season goes, right? If you were to tell me right now, three months from now, Van Allen Lubin is going to average 10 points a game seven, eight rebounds, two or three blocks. I think this team's doing really well uh, because I think I think that's what they need from him. They don't need him to average Liam Robbins' numbers. They don't need Lubin to to be a 16-point per game, 10, 10 rebounds. They don't need him to average a double-double. They just need him to do what he can within the, the format of this offense. And so if he can, I think that's a great sign for this team. But I, And I hate putting it all on Lubin here, but, I mean, he's the guy they brought in. 
um, you know, and, and said, hey, you know, you're our guy, you know. And so it's going to be interesting, Joey. It, it, that position, the the five, uh, but also the four, how they supplement, um, you know, the let's face it, the lack of production over the years. I mean, uh, Liam Robbins has been a guy, but, you know, besides Liam Robbins, Stackhouse has struggled at that five spot. So that that's my biggest question, I think. I think you and a lot of other people agree. Yeah, I think you look at Van Allen Lubin as kind of the study point here, and even you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. I don't know how much face-up game he's developed over the summer. I mean, in the first secret scrimmage, I got a list of leading scorers, and I guess I'll talk a little bit about that. But Van Allen Lubin wasn't on that list, and Jesse Edwards had a whole lot of highlights in that game. Doesn't seem like he won that battle. Jesse Edwards is probably a better big than 90% of the SEC bigs, so... I wouldn't say that I'm unbelievably concerned about that, but kind of tells you where they're at. Lee Dort wasn't dressed for that game, and I'm not 100% sure how healthy he'll be for the season. We'll talk about that more in a little bit, but <clears throat> you look at Van Allen Lubin as the starter. Billy, what's the best case scenario for Van Allen Lubin? Maybe 12, 13 points a game, seven or eight rebounds. I don't even think he gets there. I mean, I don't think he's going to have a more than a block a game, so... That's concerning. And what's the best case scenario in terms of minutes for Van Allen Lubin? Maybe 25, 27 a game. Where in the world do those other minutes go without Lee Dort on the floor, at least if Lee Dort's mm-hmm. not fully healthy? Tassos Comateros maybe gets some of those minutes at the five. You saw Colin Smith get minutes at the five in the secret scrimmage towards the end of the game, actually, when it was close. The lineup was Ezra Mignon, Tyron Lawrence, Evan Taylor, Jason Rivera-Torres, and Colin Smith. So I think that's worth noting. I think... With him putting on a little bit of weight, maybe he's a factor. Obviously, you don't want him playing the five routinely, though. I think he does some good things there. He provides some mismatches for guys, but Colin Smith at the five shouldn't be your ideal outcome. Carter Lang, I almost think – I've always kind of thought Carter Lang may be better suited as the four, and I think he's had some trouble uh, in the summer kind of adjusting and picking up the offense at times from what I've heard. So I don't know that you can really rely on anybody but Van Allen Lubin at this point. I think they might have to go small a lot of the time. Lee Dort's going to be kind of the X factor here in determining really how good they are or how competent they are. Billy, I'm really concerned just not only in terms of can they throw it down and get a bucket. I think Van Allen Lubin can do that a little bit, but can they defend? And that kind of segues into my my other big point. Can this team defend? I guess that's my first question outside of that. Billy, I don't know. I mean, in Ken Palm – they released the offensive and defensive efficiencies in the preseason. Vanderbilt was 52nd offensively and 114th defensively. They're going to have some more length. They're going to have more athleticism than they've had in the past. Maybe some more flexibility on that end as well. But, I mean, I don't know that there's a single guy on this roster outside of maybe Ezra Mignon who grades out as like a top-half defender at their position in the league. And that concerns me a lot. It's going to have to be a lot of team defense. And I think Stackhouse can develop that better than most. But... I mean, I don't know really what they have here. They don't have a great shot blocker. Van Allen Lubin's an all right interior presence. If Lee Dort can get on the floor a little bit more, then maybe that's your answer down low on defense. But I think they have a lot of length and athleticism. They don't have a go-guard-your-best-player type of guy outside of Ezra. To me, though, I think Tyron Lawrence is a fine defender. Evan Taylor has length. Colin Smith can do some good things as a rebounder, especially on the defensive glass. But, man, their defense is not going to be something that I'm super excited about it. And that goes back to the front court as well. I think they have a lot of things in the front court that I'm worried about. And 
Billy, they just have to be good enough. We've said that all offseason to compliment the guards, to compliment Evan Taylor, Jason Rivera-Torres. But, I mean, I don't know, Billy. I'm a little concerned about the front court and also concerned about their defense. I think 114 is pretty fair at this point of the year just based on the guys who have played in college as past metrics. And I think those will probably be the two biggest things that hinder this roster moving forward. Yeah, and Joe, you look at, you know, obviously we talk about guards being so important uh, down the stretch of a season and in March. Uh, yeah, but you've got to have, you know, you've got to have something there uh, in the front court, you know. Um, and, and you know, they've got options there, but, you know, there aren't really any proven options uh, in the front court for Vanderbilt. So we'll see what happens again at, at that front court spot, Joey. But moving on to my second is – how will Lee Dort's health impact this season? Uh, and again, that kind of ties right into this, the first question of what will Vanderbilt have at the, in the front court? You know, will they have enough? I think Lee Dort's health is pretty crucial uh, to this season. Uh, and again, we don't have an official update quite yet, uh, but we know that Lee Dort, um, you know, is, is struggling with injuries, trying to battle back. But when you look at this team, if Lee Dort can't go this season, I mean, let, let's say, let, hypothetical, let's say Lee Dort can't go for the first first half of the season. I think that's, I think that could be tragic because, I, you know, you, you don't get Dort time and useful minutes in those non-conference games, and then you got to just throw him into SEC action. And, you know, your only other guy there is Lubin. And then, of course, Kamateros, JQ Roberts. But you're already young and thin there. So I think Dort's health is crucial. So obviously they've got to get him back. But for Vanderbilt, and the other end of that, Joey, is say Dort is able to go. Say they get positive news and Dort is able to go full length of the season, right? I just think that you know what you're going to get out of Dort, right? You get to see, uh, you know, some of his growth early in the season. You get to see some of that uh, development, you know, against non-conference teams like, a, you know, Greensboro or whoever. I mean, the first four games are against, you know, several cupcakes. So, I'll go, although Greensboro is actually not that bad. Um, but, Joey, I just think it's important. I think it's really important that they get Dort back uh, in time, not just for SEC play, but to play in – you know, a few of those non-conference games at least. You know, I, I think it's that's very crucial. Um, and we'll see. We, again, we don't know. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the only person that knows is probably Dort and, and the trainer. Um, you know, and I would guess their head coach, Jerry Stackhouse. But at this point, that is one of the more important questions, at least in my mind. I just think Dort is a huge piece of this team. And, and Dort is kind of a – it's kind of a he's kind of a mystery to me, Joey. Like, like last year, you know, I think Vanderbilt fans were excited about him uh, and Noah Shelby, uh, and and I think Dort was, I think he held his own at times, uh, but there was was also times where you you know you realize he's a freshman and and you know you you can recognize a freshman pretty quickly, especially you know in the SEC uh, because of certain things that happen throughout a game. But I was really impressed at times, Joe, and I, I know you were as well with shot blocking. And uh, I, I thought he could. He, I thought he made some plays at times as well. So obviously nothing consistent. I think Lee Dort can turn into a good player. 
I really do. Um, obviously, Lubin, you would probably say, is in front of him right now. But, Joey, if Dort gets healthy and Lubin sort of, I don't know, lags behind a little bit, I think there's potential for Dort to to really compete there and, and push him uh, for playing time. I think they want Lubin to be pushed, right? And, and you need Dort healthy to push him. So there's a lot of factors that go into Dort's health. Number one, I think it'll 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 push Lubin uh, to perform better and, and fight for his spot. But also, you need depth there, right? You, and you need quality depth. I know Dort is is more of an un, is another unproven player, but Vanderbilt at this point, Joey in the front court just needs bodies, and Dort would be another one of those guys. So uh, I, I think he's very important. And so that for me, that's my second biggest question. How will Lee Dort's health impact the season? Um, and more importantly, what is what is his health status? Uh, I think we're all we're all wanting to know that as well. But that is my second one, Joey. Uh, the big Lee Dort question. Yeah, Billy, I have no idea what they're going to get out of Lee Dort, and frankly, I'm not sure they do either. And I think that's my biggest question right now. Lee Dort's obviously really gifted. Going into the off season, I thought he was their X factor. If he took a leap, I think this team would have taken a leap. I have a really hard time seeing him taking the jumps that I saw him taking in April or May. He hasn't practiced since, what, July? I mean, he was in street clothes for the secret scrimmage. I don't think he'll be back until probably early to mid-November. And even if he's Mm -hmm. back for the Presbyterian game, it's going to be difficult to get a guy like that in game shape when he hasn't practiced for forever. I guess, I mean, he's been at practice. You've seen him in uniform. I don't think he's been live from what, from the looks of it. I mean, he wasn't playing in that secret scrimmage. So, Billy, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you're going to get out of him. I don't know how many minutes you can rely on him for, even if he can get on the floor. Is he in game shape? Is he going to be able to not foul the way he has? I yeah. think he's really gifted. I think he's a highly ranked recruit for a reason. But I just don't know if you can rely on a whole lot at this point. And I think that's what scares me. I mean, he was their X factor this offseason and didn't have much of an offseason really at all. He lost some weight, which is good. I think he's going to move around a little bit better than he could when we saw him last. So that's something to watch for. Um, also watch for just how how much game shape he's in, I guess. But mm-hmm. man, Billy, it's going to be difficult with what they have in Lee Dort. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to throw some different looks out there if they can't use him. What you said about Lubin, I think, is true. I mean, they want to push Lubin. They don't want Lubin to be able to score four points a game and start. But right now, I mean, he can do that and still start probably. And I think that's really scary if you're Vanderbilt. Lee Dort's got to be able to push him at some point. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying he can't. I think he can do some good things for you. I mean, he's maybe the most gifted big man on this roster. I think his ceiling is way higher than Lubin's is but we haven't seen that yet. We've seen some good things, but also there's a reason he didn't play as much last year. Stack mentioned, I mean, his shot selection around the hoop, um, fouling issues, staying on the floor with injuries, all stuff that ranged true with Lee Dort. Can Tasso's commentaries pick up some of that load? Do they move Colin Smith up? Do they upshift him to the five? Does JQ Roberts see the floor at the five? I don't know if I love that idea. Um, Carter Lang, I guess. Billy, I don't know. That, yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. Like, I don't, I don't think they want to have to do that. Um, and and you know, with you throwing out the month of November potentially, and maybe even later for a return for Lee Dort, 
that is a little scary. I mean, I, I, that's not a it's not the best proposition for Vanderbilt fans and, and this coaching staff. So uh, they'll have to figure something out. I'm sure they're working through that right now. But that's why I bring it up. Like I, they will have to shuffle and they'll have to play small. And they played small last year, and I thought they were able to win some games playing small. But I, I don't. I don't think they wanted to have to do this. But they're probably going to have to do it. Imagine if they had QMB right now. How much stability that would provide. QMB didn't. Mm. He didn't do awesome things for them. He averaged what three points a game last year. But QMB would have rebounded, and you would have had an insurance policy. Venon Lubin wouldn't have had to play twenty-seven yeah. to thirty minutes a game like he might have to now. QMB would have been so useful at this point. Right now, I think. Maybe you have a higher ceiling with playing somebody who's undersized at the five and just kind of seeing if the offense will free flow a little better, see if you can space the floor. And I think that's really valuable is being able to space the floor with this offense, especially with the two guards who can get downhill. Saw a lot in that secret scrimmage, Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Magnon distributing and kicking it out to shooters. That's super valuable. And here's the thing, Billy. They can win from time to time, even with what they have, even if Lee Dort doesn't step up. If they can guard and if their offense is flowing, it's a lot of ifs, but beat West Virginia with it. And secret scrimmage results aren't gospel. I mean, you saw lineups out there with two walk-ons on the floor, and those guys will probably play at times for stack. But, I mean, I don't think this was like the end-all, be-all game here. But, I mean, Vanderbilt won still. So they could do it. Not an ideal situation right now in the front court. Where I'm most concerned is probably defense. I think Jesse Edwards would have had a little bit harder time if Lidor had been on the floor. But we'll see, Billy. I think they they can do some good things in the front court. Maybe they have more flexibility while Dort's out. But you got to get Dort back, and he's got to be able to be a player for you. What do you got for your second, Joey? Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're good. I was, I was, I was gonna ask, what do you have for your second? Sorry, my second is Joey's probably, back. <laughs> <laughs> probably the biggest picture question around this program right now is it tournament or bust for Jerry Stackhouse? And it's really early to give an educated opinion on this. Obviously, Vanderbilt's put a lot of resources into this program. I mean, they've seen progress; they haven't quite seen the results that maybe you'd hope for just in terms of making the tournament. This would be five straight years without making the NCAA tournament. Jerry Stackhouse obviously seems to have some pressure on him. I don't know that he'll be fired if they don't make the tournament. It seems like it could end up that way, but I mean, it's so hard to tell at this point, Billy, if they, let's say they beat Tennessee, they beat Kentucky, they beat Auburn and they make the NIT again. I think that's a lot different of a scenario than if you're not in the mix at all. So I'm not ready to kind of say, What's tournament or bust for him? I think Candace Lee probably doesn't know that for a fact because there's so many different variables here. What if one of their best players goes down midseason? There's a lot here, but at some point you got to get results. And I think the fan base is kind of starting to grow weary of that and realize, I mean, this is year five. It's kind of time at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's time. And that kind of goes right into my third question, Joey. Can this program finally break through? And, and I mean, the fans want it so dearly. Uh, I'm sure, obviously the coaching staff does. The, the players would love to play uh, in in March Madness, and that's what I'm talking about. March Madness, not not the NIT, 
not the CBI, whatever that is, but the NCAA tournament, right? Th- this team has to get there this year. It, it, it is a tournament uh, or bust season. Uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's year five. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's honestly probably past time, Joey, but this is like a, this is a big year. Uh, you've got Ezra Magnone, you've got Tyron Lawrence, you know, you've got one of the better backcourts in the SEC. You've got really good shooters. Um, you've got good depth. You've got some, I think some added speed with, with a, with a couple of different guys. Um, so shooting wise, I think Vanderbilt will be better physically. I think Vanderbilt will be worse, uh, in, in the paint. Uh, now again, and I, and I've said this in the SEC throughout the SEC, the, the, there's not very many post presence type guys that stand out to you, right? I think Tennessee will always be physical. Um, Arkansas is typically a physical team. Tennis, uh, I mentioned Tennessee, Kentucky. So, but it, but there's not a player in the SEC that I look at and go, "Oh man, that scares me." In the post, uh, I, I just don't. I mean, because Tolu Smith is out for the season, right, Joey? Um, no, not the so, season. He'll be back probably at the beginning of SEC play. Okay, well, that doesn't really apply anymore. But also, I mean, Tolu. Here's what I here's what I think of. So you need results by year five, right? I'm struggling to think with the way this Vanderbilt football program has struggled to turn it. Is there a better option than Stackhouse right now? He doesn't have the recruiting momentum going for him currently. They've lost their last three official visitors. All of that could change soon. Uh, I mean, he hasn't made the tournament in four years. But he runs such good stuff. It seems like they have a lot going for them. They've kind of turned this thing in a positive direction. They're right on the doorstep. It's a big question for me whether they believe or not after this year that he could take that step. I think it's a really safe option to bring Stack back for next year, even if you don't make the tournament this year, just because you kind of know what the floor is there. If they move on from Stack and bring in a new coach, I think the floor is a lot lower next year. And it's hard to win at this program at any point right now. Maybe they get a lot, a line of mid-major guys kind of vying for the job. I'm sure guys would want it, but it's really interesting to think, is he the guy right now? I don't know, Billy. I think he showed me a lot of good things. I think Stack is a really solid basketball coach, but we haven't seen the results at this point. And I think maybe administration's not super jazzed about a fifth year without the NCAA tournament. So, it's too early for me to say he's not going to keep his job or whatever, but it'll be an interesting debate moving forward. I think we'll probably know around February or March kind of where this thing's heading, though. It's all about vibes at that point of the year, and I think you'll see it from the fan base. You'll see it from how the fans show out for these games and the morale of the team, and you'll kind of know that could be fabulous. It also could be not great like it was in January last year, so... I guess we'll see, Billy. I just wanted to touch on that. Sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. Um, I think it's a good point you make because, um, you know, and I say tournament or bust is, you know, you take that as you wish, right? But, I mean, that typically means that um, administration would have to make a decision at that point. Uh, you know, so I, I just think I think a lot of fans are in that, uh, are in that uh, same belief as well. Um, and I think an NCAA tournament berth would do so much, obviously for this program, but just for this fan base. Um, I mean, basketball last season, what they did was 
it was such an uplifter of the spirits. I mean, football, of course, was was struggling at the time. I know they got those two SEC wins, uh, but they had finished the season on a down note after that Tennessee loss. And then you roll into a basketball season that starts miserably, uh, but you get hot and you beat Tennessee, and that starts a streak like no other. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to see another streak like that at, at Memorial Gym. I, I really don't. Um, and it, it was just fun. I mean, it, it was fun. So, and Vanville fans want that back, right? They, they want that back again this year. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, it kind of lit the city up a little bit. Uh, and, and even playing in Bridgestone, right? They kind of carried it over. So I think there's there's clear momentum that can be carried over into the beginning of this season, right? There, there are proving ground games where this team can, can really show what they can do against non-conference opponents. I think the Memphis game is huge. Uh, if you could go down there and maybe maybe eke out a win, obviously we know how big that would be. Uh, Texas Tech game is huge. So there's some big non-conference games that I look at and say, okay, that can really you know maybe elevate the belief uh, within the fan base uh, and within these players. You need confidence building victories like that early in the season, and I think they have those opportunities. Uh, we'll see what they do with them, Joey, but can they break through? I mean, can they, there's there's some older guys on this team that have been through a lot uh, with Stack. Um, now, a lot of them left after last year, but I think Tyler Lawrence is a good example. Uh, Manion, I mean, he hasn't been here too terribly long, but, I mean, he's he's learned under Stackhouse and, and has developed into, a, a I think, a really good point guard. Um, and you've got some some younger guys that are going to have to step up. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I still think the sophomores are crucial uh, to this team's success. Colin Smith, Paul, um, Paul Lewis, uh, you know, guys like that that played a little bit last year. We're going to have to really step up this year. So I know we talked about it a lot, Joey, uh, but NCAA tournament. I mean, that should be in the wall in the locker room of this team, the March Madness logo. Like, I mean, they should be thinking about that every day. They should be eyeing a postseason berth in the NCAA tournament. And so if they don't, you said it, it, it it'll, it'll get pretty ominous and, and pretty dark. Um, and if they do, Stackhouse will build a lot of goodwill uh, with the fan base, uh, even more than he already has. I mean, I think he built some, some, some goodwill uh, towards the end of last season. And, and you felt that, the fans felt that, Joey. So I, I think a tournament berth would do so much, uh, and they've got to have it. They've got to make the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, I think if Jerry Stackhouse can prove that he can win here, it will do measures for his recruiting, for the momentum that they have as a program, for his profile as a coach. I think he's shown about everything but making the NCAA tournament. Billy, there's a lot to be untapped here, but – a step forward into the NCAA tournament with this roster. And some of these guys that have been here for a while would be huge for Jerry Stackhouse and would be huge for this program. If they can do it and you don't have to talk about is this tournament or bust is Stackhouse going to keep his job. That would do measures mm -hmm. for this program and it would do measures for the momentum it had. Billy, if they go on a run like they did last year, I have a really hard time seeing uh, the fan base turning on stack again, but man, that was mm -hmm. a, that was a fun run, and if Vanderbilt can do that again, I think that would be a huge catalyst for this program, not only this year in terms of keeping people around, but also in terms of 
maybe how this program could take the next step forward. This feels like kind of the crossroads in Jerry Stackhouse's tenure this year. Is Vanderbilt going to take that step forward and break through, like you said, or will it kind of stay par for the course? Will it be an NIT team again? I don't know. I think a lot of the national media has counted them out of making the tournament. I think there's a path there. Is it a path that everyone's going to predict they go on? No, but there's a path here. And if they can take that path, that would do unbelievable measures for this program. To not be talking about Stackhouse's job security in January or February mm-hmm. would be such a big boost for this program. And just, I guess, the the vibes surrounding it, not within the program, but just without or outside of the program and the perception of it, making the NCAA tournament would be unbelievable for this team this year in terms of what it would do and the impact it would have. No doubt. And uh, Joey, that'll wrap it up. Again, we wanted to make sure we got one out this week. I do want to hit on a couple of other notes and headlines. Uh, I got a few. I got two more questions. Yeah, going back to to football real quick. uh, Three-star cornerback Jalen Lackey has flipped his commitment from Virginia to Vanderbilt following a weekend visit to West End. So Jalen Lackey from Virginia to Vanderbilt uh, looks like a talented player. And I'm sure we'll be able to talk more about him, Sean Williams, uh, I think it was Drew actually had a piece uh, up on him on on uh, VandySports.com. So go check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, but Joey's got a couple of more questions. So, uh, Joey, fire away. Yeah, these aren't – well, I guess one of them was included in the three. Another one's kind of an honorable mention. You mentioned this a little bit, actually more than a little bit, the non-conference schedule. Can Vanderbilt get it done in non-conference play? I think that's going to be a huge catalyst for whether they make the tournament. I think they're going to be – around 500 in SEC play, if I had to guess. The league's really deep this year, but there's not a, I guess, team that really stands out and that you can't beat. So I would think that non-conference play, if they can go 11-2 and two or 12-1, and one, would do measures for them. Also, can they have a third scorer step up? You know Ezra Mignon and Tyron Lawrence are going to be the guys. Can Colin Smith step into that role? Can Evan Taylor step into that role? Maybe then Alan Lubin, Jason Rivera-Torres, even Paul Lewis. Billy, I don't know that they have one guy every night that's their third score, but if they can have one of those guys every night step up, I think it'll do them wonders. So closing thoughts, they're going to be a team that's fighting all year. They're going to be a team that's kind of pushing it. But if they can kind of come together and be the group that they were in that secret scrimmage and go win some games down the stretch that maybe people don't expect them to win, you're in really good shape. And uh, I think – a step forward for this program could do wonders and get it on the track that maybe Jerry Stackhouse has always kind of dreamed of it going. And it could be a program that can kind of be in the middle of the SEC every year and be vying for NCAA tournament bursts like it has, but maybe be on the other side of that. Once you know what it's like, Jerry Stackhouse said in the spring, you can't miss something that you've never had. And if Vanderbilt has the privilege of, I guess, being there and seeing what it's like to make the NCAA tournament would do this team wonders. Yeah. And you saw what this team was capable of um, in, in some of those highlights uh, in, in the secret scrimmage, West Virginia posted some Vanderbilt posted some, so so much for secret scrimmage. Um, And you got stats basically from the entire scrimmage. So if you guys haven't seen those, uh, go check them out on our board and uh, another good reason to subscribe. Uh, if you haven't yet to VandySports.com, Joey's got 
some some stats and numbers and notes from that first secret scrimmage. They've got another one coming up. And uh, if you want to know who they're playing, go check out the board as well. So <laughs> a big promo there for uh, for Joey. But, yeah, I mean, dude, they can, this team's going to be able to shoot it now. I mean, they've, they've got – and we, we know that, right? Camateros, I think, hit a three in the corner. Colin Smith, I think, hit a couple. Uh, Tyron Lawrence, Paul Lewis – trying to think if I miss anybody, but just a lot of different guys that, that could knock it down, you know? And so they've got, uh, I think more depth uh, in terms of shooting Uh, in the front court. It'll still be interesting to watch. That's uh, that's what we're eyeing Joey. And that was kind of the theme of today. Uh, But uh, stay tuned again. Joey will be at uh, SEC media days tomorrow down in Birmingham. Uh, Vanderbilt uh, is, is presenting Jerry Stackhouse, Tyron Lawrence, and Esther Pignon. They'll have content on the SEC network, uh, but we will also have content right here at VandySports.com. I'm sure video interviews will be going up on on our YouTube channel. And um, Joey, I think we we'll, might even get some similar interviews uh, with uh, with Ezra and Tyron as well. So we'll, we'll see. I hope. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm you're you're Joey Dwyer. Yeah, you, 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 they see you. They should want to talk to you. But uh, but no, looking forward to uh, seeing what you get down there, Joey. And uh, and and we'll we'll be back at it with another basketball episode next week, just a few weeks away from Vanderbilt and Presbyterian. And uh, I think some fans are excited uh, about that. But for Joey Dwyer, I'm Billy Derrick. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast. And also, got to get to this uh, Mater Nexon Government Contracts Group presenting uh, today's podcast as well. They advise government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call, 256-551-0171. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to stay free. So here's how you can help keep it that way. Uh, Give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you're listening and haven't subscribed to VanySports.com yet, please do. It's $99 a year or $9.99 a month. It helps us greatly. As I said, go subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. That is free. A lot of good content over there. And then if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at chrislee70 at gmail.com. For Joey Dwyer, I'm Billy Derrick. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.